This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 418 with Naomi Clark. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 418. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Naomi Clark is the CEO of Her Money Map, where she helps women transform their mindset around money and partners with them to create cash flow strategies that support their values and lifetime goals. Her mission is to help women crush their self-limiting beliefs and barriers when it comes to money. She believes one of the primary reasons women struggle with confidence in making financial decisions is in large part due to the patriarchy, which is designed to make women feel doubtful and distracted. Naomi is also the host and creator of the Outspoken Girlfriend podcast, where she encourages and celebrates women to step into their best selves, their authentic selves. But this isn't your typical personal development podcast. As a self-described sworn enemy of the patriarchy, Naomi provides strategies and tactics that teach women how to dismantle the patriarchy as they pursue their best lives. In the muggle world, Naomi has a degree in finance with over 20 years in corporate experience in accounting, supply chain management, and project management. I will tell you, Naomi is kind of special to me. Naomi has been one of the very original members of one of the very like original fans of the Shameless Mom Academy and then one of the very original members of Momentum Mamas our membership community. So, Naomi was actually 
in my early rounds of Momentum Mamas before it was an annual membership, when it was just like a little few weeks program that we did every now and then. And you wouldn't think that clearing off one's dresser would be that transformative of an event, but it truly was. It was the beginning of something amazing and beautiful. And Naomi did not realize at the time how much she was going to need clarity around her vision in life as she got a little further down the road in her journey with me in the Shameless Mom Academy, her journey in Momentum Mamas, as her life took some really dramatic, unpredictable turns that left her life being really reframed in ways that she could have never expected. So listen in to hear Naomi share what the American dream looked like for her as a black woman and why it was not so dreamy. She's also going to talk about how letting her life get really small made her life really miserable. She's going to share how setting the simple goal of cleaning off her dresser snowballed into cleaning up the vision for her entire life. She'll talk about the truth about working against the patriarchy and how she's helping women do this very powerful work. And lastly, she's going to share a really powerful message for white moms and white women. I adore this woman. I am so blessed to have gotten to work with her in the last couple of years within the Shameless Mom Academy, within Momentum Mamas, and now in the last year in Tenacious Mamas in my business and leadership mastermind. Naomi is a force. I admire her tremendously, and I am so excited and so honored to share her with you here in the Shameless Mom Academy. So with all that said, let's welcome Naomi Clark. Naomi Clark, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. So am I. Thank you for having me. This is going to be so special. So I have to tell everyone, I always like to say how I know people and the kind of the context behind how people come on the show. And Naomi was one of my very first Momentum Mamas when I started doing little like four to six week long programs, bringing moms in and working on transformational work. And I have to, I know you're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but I have to tell everyone, one of your first goals was to clean off your dresser. Oh my God. And wait till people hear how far you've come. Like what started as I need to clean off my dresser as my number one goal this week (laughs) has taken you very far. So I'm really, really excited to dive into all that with you. I love it. I feel like I should get a shirt that says like hashtag dresser girl. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. And also, so Naomi's going to be on the stage at Shameless Mom Con and next at the end of March. And I'm sure you're going to talk about that there. But this is literally like what started out as like, I'm going to clean off my dresser is now getting you on stages. (laughs) Yes. Now it's a business and all the things. So who knew? Yep. So awesome. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. So, you know, I am really excited about the friendships with girlfriends that I've cultivated as an adult and the reconnection with girlfriends from when I was in college, from our younger years to just various friendship circles that cross all backgrounds and experiences. And Sarah, I cannot put into words just how much that means to me, because some of us talk every day via text or Marco Polo. Some of us are local. And so we have like a standing girls night out once a month. Some of us don't talk day to day, but we plan our trips where we leave the kids and the husbands at home. And this was not always my story, certainly not as an adult, but I just cannot say enough about just the friendships that I have in my life today. And women hold such a different space than our partners and our spouses and our kids. And I was lacking that some years ago. And today I am just in full abundance of it. And that just leaves me so delighted, like every day. 
I love it. Oh my gosh. And I appreciate that you acknowledge that that didn't come easily or naturally that you went and made that happen. Because I think that that's sometimes the missing link for moms or for women is that we think like, well, if I don't have friends, I just don't have friends. Or you know, if I don't have regular girls night out, then that's just the way it is. And the truth is, just like you work on a marriage, you also have to work on friendships and relationships and keeping those things really active and alive in your life. And that takes effort, especially in the face of motherhood and having a million things to do every day. So oh my gosh, yes, it takes effort. And then also we have to like not have the same friends try to hold the same spaces, all the things for us. Like it's okay to have, for example, I have like a really good set of like business friends and we love each other and we have fun together and we joke, but we have that common thread. I have friends, like I mentioned from college, I have mom friends where our kids like kind of brought us together. And now we're like, we don't care what happens with the kids because we're going to stay friends. And so there are all these different spaces. And depending on what's occurring in my life, I just have so many women that I can now turn to in virtual communities. And I know we're going to get into this, but one of the things that I was really close minded to for so long was social media and how that can become a vehicle for developing friendships. And Sarah, we're going to talk about the community within the Shameless Mom Academy but that's something that is so unique. And I just really want all women <laughs> to seek those spaces and seek those relationships. It's life-giving. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want you to talk about living the American dream. And you were in this position of living the American dream, but you found yourself one morning having a breakdown in the parking lot of your job. Can you take us back to that time? Tell us what was happening and kind of what all sparked at that time. Sarah, I will never, ever forget that day. But for the listeners, I want to provide a little bit of context. So when I talk about the American dream, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners that are American got the same formula for success that I got. Get good grades in school so you can get into a good college. Get into a good college so you can get a good job and then get a good job so you can take care of your family. And it was expected, at least, you know, the formula I got, it was expected that I'd have a family, that I get married, that I have kids and own a home and take vacations and do all the things. And I did that. And the formula was handed down to me by my parents. And for black Americans, I think it's important for me to say this, too. This formula was important. It was vital, not just for surviving, but for thriving, because I'm 42. So if you do the math, my parents and my grandparents grew up under Jim Crow. And so I share this because it's very important for me not to be dismissive with what I'm about to share next, but to acknowledge that this formula worked for my family and it works for a lot of families today, or I should say parents who subscribe to this as a way for their children to thrive. But here's the thing, I've done all of it. And I had the job with stock options even. I had the marriage, I had the house, I had the kids, I had the vacations. And so one morning about 10 years ago, I'm leaving for work, I kiss my husband goodbye, and about an hour later, he gets a phone call from me. And I was sitting in the parking lot sobbing. And 
It was the type of crying, Sarah, where it wasn't like cute. cute. <laughs> a gentle sniffle. <laughs> it was not a gentle sniffle. Exactly. It was like my nose was running and stuffy and my makeup was getting messed up and I was hiccuping and I couldn't breathe. And if you can imagine a man on the other side, <laughs> when you just kiss your husband goodbye, at first there's fear like, oh my gosh, what happened? And then once he realizes wait, she's sitting in her parking lot safe. Now what the heck is happening? And so he kept asking me, what's wrong? Because when I left the house, I was fine. And he asked me a very simple question, what's wrong? And I couldn't tell him. I remember saying, (laughs) at least what I can remember, I remember saying, I don't know what's wrong. I have nobody to talk to. I don't know what's wrong with me. And it was so heavy. And at the time, it felt like it came out of left field. And I have hindsight now. And I know this is the part of the story where it would be very cool for me to say, and this was when I embarked on my personal development journey. And now I manifest abundance. And I know the law of attraction and the power (laughs) of my mind and my thoughts. And now I manifest everything and shoot rainbows out of my ass. Like, (laughs) I know (laughs) that is what we may want to hear. That's maybe what I think would be cool to say, but that would not be the truth. And so it took really tiny, bitsy little things I was doing to start to try to find the fulfillment and figure out how do I answer this question? What's wrong? Because I knew I needed more beyond being an employee, a wife, a mom, a daughter, a sister. And it's not an overnight process by no means, by no stretch of the imagination, did that parking lot saga turn into like this massive pivotal moment. But it was a moment because I would say by about 2014, 2015, those little things I was doing had definitely compounded and I was in a much better space. And so Sarah, can I tell the dresser story now? Yeah, I want to back up for a minute. What did you tell your husband in that moment? Were you able to label anything specifically around what was wrong? I remember telling him, I don't know what's wrong with me and I have nobody to to talk to. I have no friends. I let my friendships from college like die. I did not have a relationship at the time like with my friend that had been my maiden of honor in my marriage. So we'd been married for a few years and I could not label anything other than that. I have nobody to talk to. And how old were your kids at the time? At the time, Um, My son was first grade, so six, and my daughter was like one. And I ask all that for context because I think that that all paints a picture that's really relatable. (laughs) When you have like two kids in really young ages and you've disconnected totally from your life before motherhood and you wake up and one day and you're like, who am I? Where am I? What is even happening right now? And who am I becoming? And to not be able to answer any of that is really overwhelming. And it sounds like that's kind of where you were at. You're like, I don't know who I'm becoming. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't recognize this person. That's exactly where I was, Sarah. And I only had like my life had gotten and I don't say this to beat myself up about it, but it's a fact. My life had gotten really, really, really small. It was going to work. My husband worked nights. He had the type of job where he worked with technicians and power lines. And so that type of job is 24 seven, 365 days a year. And so really my home life at the time, I was solo parenting during the week and on the weekends, 
having, you know, the young kids and yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And with hindsight, that's absolutely what it was. But in that moment, I didn't know what the fuck was happening to me. I thought I was not being grateful because I had all these things on paper. So I had the guilt trip going for even not being satisfied and not being happy. Just so many layers. So, so many layers. Yeah. And I think that that's really relatable. And I also totally appreciate your point around letting your life get really small. I think that's also not uncommon in motherhood. And when your life gets really small, it's really hard to see answers or a way out. And it sounds like that was kind of where you were at that day. So take (laughs) us to the day of the dresser. So this would have been not eight, nine years later, probably eight years later. So this episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners 
listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I did not know what a podcast was until 2016. So I'm going to just put my cards on the table. I was not hip to the game. I did not know what a podcast was. And if we remember the environment of 2016, it was an election year. Trump and Clinton were, you know, going for the office and there was so much happening. And I am a political junkie. I took AP government in high school. I went to college in Washington, D.C. I've always been very attracted to political science and all the things. But by the end of 2016, I could no longer take what was happening in the just environment that we were in. And I could no longer just keep exposing myself to all of the news and all of the politics. And I remember my girlfriend was like, yeah, I listened to a podcast about how to clean your house. And we were walking one day and and I didn't want to tell her I didn't know what a podcast was. And so <laughs> you're like, oh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, not in my head. Cause you know, that's what we do right. when we're not, you know, in a place where we could acknowledge, yeah, I don't know everything. Cause I was not there at that time. And I had this iPhone. I'm like, oh, there's a little button here that says podcast. And so I clicked the button and Sarah, I find the shameless mom Academy. <laughs> and I was about six months late to the game, but I very quickly caught up. And when you opened up your Momentum Mama, like the early days, it was like, I don't know, six weeks or eight weeks. I was like, I'm doing this. I'm just going to try it. And I'm going to see what this is about. And at the time, my goal was to clean off the top of my dresser. I so remember the week that you set that goal, too. <laughs> remember, you were like, I have a lot going on, but I, this dresser is really bothering me. And I just need that's where I need to start. <laughs> gosh. And it's so cute for me now to think back to that, Naomi, because at the time it was real for me. I felt like I was not keeping a proper home. I was unorganized. And, you know, the perfectionist was really, really, really like leading in a lot of ways that I no longer let her take the lead anymore. But the perfectionist, Naomi, was front and center. And I wanted to have this, I don't know, this perception out there And my bedroom was a mess. So yes, my goal was to clean that dresser. And what's funny today, Sarah, is that the dresser is back to being loaded with all sorts of crap on it. But it doesn't bother me anymore because I now focus on other things and it no longer, I no longer define how my dresser looks as somehow a definition of who I am and what I believe in. So yeah, dresser, hashtag dresser girl. That's, that's me. But I think it's a great story around having a starting place and we all have a starting place. And I think that looks different for everyone, but that that starting place can be something that seems even small and silly in hindsight, but in the moment, 
it feels like this is like the only next step that I can lean into right now. And I think that that's really relatable. And can you talk a little bit about, so you cleaned, I mean, I remember the call after you saying you were gonna clean off your dresser and you were like, I did it. I cleaned off my dresser. Like it was a big deal. It was a big, big win. And so can you talk a little bit about like, as much as we're kind of laughing about this sounding silly, what, how was that a pivotal event? And how did that lead to next steps being bigger and even impactful on a greater level? Because I set a goal that had nothing to do with my job or with my family. And this is what's so fascinating to me. So as this like high achieving woman in my professional life, I was accustomed to 90 day goals and setting action plans. And I managed departments and teams and absolutely had all my shit together in a professional sense. But I never made the connection in my personal life to let me think of something that I want Let me write it down and actually plan to do it and then celebrate it. Like it sounds so simple and yet it's not if it's something that as women, as moms, we're so busy trying to do all the things for all the people and we put ourselves at the bottom of the list and it just gets to where in school or in work or Maybe even I can go so far as to say when other people are at stake, we can show up. But when it's us, it's like, who am I? What do I want? I should write a goal down and then celebrate with people. Do people really do this? Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to like just take a minute because like you said, you set a reasonable goal. You go after it and then you celebrate the win. And so in Momentum Mamas, our core values are show up, take imperfect action, celebrate wins. And so you were in this place where you had permission to like, I'm going to set this goal that sounds small and silly, but it is meaningful to me. I'm going to go after it, you know, as imperfectly as I can this week. And then I'm going to show up at the end of the week and be like, oh, holy cow, I did this thing. And that's really like when you break it down in that simplistic way and you go after little things in that way, then you can have build the confidence to go after bigger things in the same way. And I think that's what you were able to do is you were able to replicate that over and over again to then use that formula to take bigger steps. Absolutely. I get chills thinking about it. I do too. I love it. I think it's so great. (laughs) I want to go back and like pull everyone in Momentum Mamas and be like, do you remember your very first Momentum Mamas goal? (laughs) Oh my gosh, you should. I know I should. I totally should. Okay. So I want to talk about 2019. You had big, significant life changes in 2019. Can you talk about that? And what is the impact to you and your family been? Absolutely. So by 2019 last year, so, you know, just continuing with this journey Now, you know, in my personal development space, I'm setting goals, I'm achieving them. My husband and I have a 10 year plan because we're in our, you know, early 40s and life is great. And I'm in my home office and I got a call on my cell, but I was in the middle of a conference call. But caller ID showed it was my father. And then about 10 minutes later, I get a call again and I'd finished my conference call, but I was busy and I was just so annoyed that he kept calling me back to back. So I pick up the phone and normally I greet callers because with caller ID, you know who it is. But this time I just picked up the call and I was like, dad, I'm really busy. Let me call you back. And it wasn't him. It was a hospital staff person calling. And my father had been admitted into ICU and they were trying to get a hold of family, uh, me and my siblings and my mother. We are in Georgia. My father moved to Florida some years ago and my parents had been divorced for about 20 years. He never remarried. 
I'm the oldest of my siblings. Thank goodness my dad did not have a lock on his phone. (laughs) So the staff was able to see this person must be related. There was a lot of call logs here. And so I find out he's in ICU and I'm trying to find out what's happening. And I clear my calendar and me and my sister, we're a year apart and she lives in the same town as I do. So we immediately get a flight to Florida for the next morning. And we get there that next morning. And I remember even when I was clearing my calendar, I had a lot of big things going on at work. And I remember I was clearing my calendar thinking, am I overreacting to this? But nevertheless, we went, we show up, we walk into the ICU and he's not looking good. He had made eye contact with me like at one point, but it seemed like he knew that we were there, but he wasn't able to talk. At one point they had to intubate him. And, you know, we were there, we flew in on a Wednesday morning. We were there. I was there until Saturday because this was also the week of spring break. And my family and I vacation with friends. It's a tradition. It's about four other families. We rent a huge, beautiful home on Tybee Island, which is a barrier island right off the coast of Savannah. So I'm literally like closer to my family (laughs) when they're in Tybee than I am normally if they were still in Atlanta. And I made the um, decision to go meet them in Tybee. You know, my dad was, there was nothing we were really doing, me and my sister, except looking at him because he was in the hospital. And so I went and I met my family for spring break and me and my sister said, okay, we will just figure out what to do with dad after he gets out of ICU and after we kind of know what we're facing. And so that Monday, still in Tybee. It's Monday, April 1st. I get a call early from the hospital. And the doctor's words to me were, we are losing him. And they put the phone to his ear and I got to tell him goodbye and that we'd all be okay. And it was something, it was a phone call. It was a moment in time I will never, ever forget. Now, my father had been in a relationship with a much younger woman than me. She was in her early 30s or so. And they had a daughter together, my baby sister. And when I say baby, Sarah, baby. Baby. (laughs) When our father died, she was three. And about six weeks prior our father's death, my baby sister, her biological mom, had passed away in mid-February. So my baby sister lost both parents in the span of six weeks. And in my father's will, he listed me as the guardian Sarah, I always assumed that my little sister's mom would be around to care for her and that dad would definitely be the one to go first. But over our lifetime, we would be developing a relationship with my little sister and her mother. And now it's my little sister and both of her parents are now no longer living. Sarah, my son will be a senior in high school next year. And our daughter will be in middle school next year. And me and my husband, that 10-year plan included lots of travel, being empty nesters with, you know, kids in their 20s by that time. And basically, not basically, actually, I drove back home from Florida with my baby sister and I get to walk in and say, congratulations, honey. (laughs) We now have a (laughs) three-year-old. But we have custody of her. We're definitely adjusting. We made some 
changes in our home in terms of the dynamic. My daughter went from being the youngest and the only girl to a middle child and a second girl. My 17-year-old, who, you know, is a male, he's barely impacted by any of this. Like, he's doing his own thing. Right. In terms of just me and my husband, like, the energy it takes to go back to, like, so now she's four. Mm -hmm. She turned four in the summer. And the energy it takes to take care of, like, little kids. Sarah, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired. I forgot. And so I want to say this to listeners who have young kids. It gets better. And then you forget. Right, right. How much energy it takes. So Yeah. I would love to share a little bit about like the outsider perspective as you were going through this. Cause like I can speak from me just kind of watching this as it was playing out. And I think that I probably had a common reaction to some other women in Momentum Mamas as we were watching you go through this. And you had really openly been talking about Momentum Mamas, like we're planning for retirement and it's only X amount of years away. And the kids, like we already have one almost out of the house and the next one's coming soon. Like you were just really in this like planning for the next phase kind of place in Momentum Mamas, which was really cool and exciting for those of us who have younger kids. We were like, oh my gosh, like what a dream to be planning like this big next phase of your life. And when your father passed away, many of us had known about your little sister and previous to his passing and when he passed away, I initially thought like, oh my gosh, is Naomi going to be raising her? And what will that look like? And what will that take to go from planning for retirement and like really getting pumped up about that to like, not just turning on the brakes, but like full on reversing into a completely like a lifestyle that you had left behind, not like last year, but years ago. Like been there, done that. Yeah. And I just imagine there's this piece that it's like, you have to come around to what that means for you. You and your husband have to come around to what that means for the two of you in exchange for this retirement plan you'd been working on. And then your whole family has to come around to like what it means for everyone. So there's so many layers to this. And I remember watching it from afar and just being like, holy cow, that is such a massive shift in every component of your identity right now. I want to give you the chance to kind of respond to that. But that was my perspective of it as it was happening. Yeah, every component. And at the time, I was planning a trip for work to Hong Kong and Australia. And instead, I was in a courtroom in Florida getting official custody because it's not like you can just take a kid and be like, okay, let me register her for school and let me get her immunization done. Like there was a critical path I had to follow to get the custody so I could get her on insurance, so I could sign her up for pre-K, so I could get her immunization records up to date. My father was on social security, so children do not get social security directly. They have what's called a personal representative or payee or something like that. So I had to like navigate the social security office, which I had not planned on doing at all. Oh my gosh, which is not fun. (laughs) So like there's the tactics of it. And I remember I was so set on executing the tactics. And it's like, I put the emotional part to the side. And I remember telling the other mamas in our community that I'm probably going to have a fucking breakdown in September. But yeah, I remember having the awareness to know that, hey, right now I have to keep moving. Like I literally have to take these steps and I'm the only person that can do it because I'm the person that was designated for this guardianship. And then to add another layer, I'd never met my baby sister's other side of the family. I didn't know 
what we'd face. My little sister's biracial. And so I wasn't sure. So her mom was white and her other side of her family is white and my dad's black. And, we're, and so I wasn't sure, like, what might this bring up? I don't know what will happen. And it's been such a, for me, lovely experience because we all have the best interests for my baby sister at heart. And the two families have come together. I talk to her grandmother often, her uncle, her aunt, her grandfather. She goes and stays with them for vacations and they come here and drop her off. So I don't have to make the drive to the Carolinas and all the layers. And one thing, I'll share this real quick. When I went to sign her up for pre-K and I'm sitting, so this is the summertime, dad had been gone for about two months and I'm literally sitting in like this daycare and I'm looking around and I see the moms and dads who are like, their oldest kids are four and they're like so excited and they're asking like the pre-k teachers <laughs> all the questions and they're like so into it and i feel like such og and they're like crying because they're sad that their babies are growing up this was me <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sitting here like look i got a place to be can we just, like i just let me sit let me give you these papers i know she's gonna be fine and i'm just like thinking how funny it is that i now it's like a different parenting experience. Although I'm her sister, just the stage of life that me and my husband are in and just having had to already go through all the motions with them, it's just really interesting to take a step back and look at all the dynamics. Yeah, oh my gosh, and she's the cutest thing. So, so every once in a while she pops up on our Momentum Mama Monday calls and I get to see her on video and oh, she's just so cute. And I think that's back to my point around like watching this from afar. I'm like, oh, how fun, how fun to have like a three-year-old in the house again. But, <laughs> but I know Naomi will be like, hold on, I need to go mute my computer or I need to do this or hold on, like she's doing this. And like, it's such a huge step in a direction that you weren't planning, but I have to say you've navigated it just with such a level of grace and a level of strength and grace. I think that just is not, I mean, it was exactly what I've expected from you, but it's so beautiful because I think that many of us think like, holy cow, what if I was in that situation and what would I do and how would I handle it? And it's really powerful to watch someone doing it in a way that is really positive and impactful and where you're really like you're embracing it and you also have boundaries around it. I love that you're like other families involved and people are like pitching in and helping out and you haven't completely lost yourself in this. And I mean, back to the very beginning of this conversation, losing yourself in motherhood early on and then going in through this experience and having some boundaries around like, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to do what's right for this child. And also, I'm not going to lose myself in the process. Exactly. I do want to say one more thing about Momento Mamas and the relationships. So this had been a secret. So my baby sister, her existence was something that I carried a lot of shame with. I did not want anyone to know that my father was in a relationship with a younger woman and he had this little baby. And so this was, gosh, she's four now. So, you know, remember my timeline. This is like 2015. So I had not, I'll say this, if this had happened five years ago, I would not have been able to handle this uncontrollable thing that occurred the way that I'm able to approach it today. And I have my affirmation, life is not happening to me, life is happening for me. And I want to share that 
of course, my family knew about my little sister because we'd go visit her and she'd come up with my father when he'd visit us. And I shared it with like maybe two or three friends. And that was it. And so in our virtual community in Momentum Mamas, that's where I actually shared everything, like all the shame and just what was this huge secret. And not three, four months later, I'm getting support from this same community of women because I took a chance, if you will, on coming into a community and deciding to be myself and not try to appear to be perfect. And so I remember joining Momentum Mamas. And at the time when you opened it up, it was like maybe 25 of us at the time. And I remember you told us to, or you asked us to think about what our goals were for the year. And I remember thinking, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm going to take advantage of not knowing who these women are because I wasn't going into this program, Sarah, thinking I'm going to make friends. I was going into this program thinking, okay, I really like Sarah. I've worked with her before. I know I'm going to do more things than just clean off dressers. And so I was like, let me take advantage of just not knowing any of these women. And therefore I won't care what they think. And so it may sound crazy, but there's a freedom when you get to start relationships with like a completely clean slate. There's no history there's no expectations. And so I remember I shared our goals on our Facebook page and I was like, yeah, I want more sex and intimacy and I want more money and I want to lose weight and I want to run races. And I just gave myself the space and permission to dream and share very openly. And what surprised me and shocked me is that with all of us sharing and showing up and supporting each other day over day, week over week, month over month, before I knew it, I was actually real friends with these women, like ride or die friends. And I know with hindsight that it was also me deciding I'm going to come in and just be me (laughs) and allow them to see me. And it's just compounded. I'm just so grateful for all the women who are like my sister friends. I love that. And I think that the power in that was that you had shared with us There was this one woman in the group decided, she said, I have this like kind of what she identified as this kind of shameful family secret. And she shared it with the group. And it started this string of people saying like, oh my gosh, like we all have these things. And it's so interesting when you share your thing that you carry shame around, everyone else is like, that's not that big of a deal. And we love you no matter what. But when you have these things, you're like, this is the biggest deal ever. And if I tell someone this, they're going to judge me and they might think that I'm a bad person or I come from a bad place. So you kind of in the context had shared about your sister months before her mom and your dad passing away. And so then when that happened, you immediately had this network of people who knew that this was a really vulnerable spot for you. Like we immediately knew, oh, what about Aaliyah? And that was a big deal because we knew that like this was not going to go up on your public Facebook page that you now were considering raising a three-year-old. We knew that this was like the one place where you were talking about this and this was a safe place. And like, that was it. I mean, I don't want to assume for you that it was a huge gift, but watching that unfold, it felt like that was a very big gift in the whole process. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I remember when that particular moment to mama kind of like opened up the thread and, you know, fast forward to when we're at the first mom con, it was like three weeks after dad died. And So being able to be in a room with women whom knew me and knew all the various sides of me that I was willing to share and talk about and knew 
like you said, I was not putting this on my public page. Like it was a journey. And I'm just so grateful because I don't know if I would be here today doing the things that I'm doing if those foundations had not been laid out. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I want to talk a little bit about you went from being you've always been very engaged in our community, which is, you know, I always say like the more you give, the more you're going to get and the more connected you are and dialed in, like the more you're going to really build something amazing and feel really supported and connected. So you've had this really great benefit of being so supported in Momentum Mamas because you constantly show up for all of us. How did you go from being supported in Momentum Mamas to having this pull to support other women? Because you now have had, you've had like growth in so many areas, some planned and some not in terms of, you know, (laughs) bringing another child into the family. But you've also gone through this really amazing process of taking us looking at what you do professionally and what your strengths are and how you could support other women outside of your current profession and build something new. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been someone that likes to help people get from point A to point B. And I'm really good at taking problems and issues and helping people to see for themselves, like potential next steps and alternatives and helping them get their own aha moments. And so having this as such a strong part of my identity and then also having experience like the impact that comes when women come together. It was from a place of just purpose and passion and support that with hindsight, I can say it was a very natural next step for me to step into a place where, hmm, maybe I can expand my comfort zone and support women in a more structured way because I was already supporting my friends and other women I knew, but to take it beyond and take it to kind of like this collective of women. At the time, even the thought of doing that seemed like such a big deal. 
but in my work that I do, because I now have clients and I have all these things and I know we're going to talk about that. So I was already supporting friends and other women I knew. And I thought to myself, well, what if I were to take this beyond supporting women that I know? And what if I were to leverage my own strengths and my own interests and my own zone of genius and see what happens? And what ends up happening is I create my own business specific to money management and helping women get a hold of their finances. What happens is I launch a podcast that is for women and we talk about just living lives of intention. And yes, I get a little sassy, but you know, then it expands to having a private Facebook group where I'm showing up there. And, you know, part of it is I say, at least for me, and perhaps a lot of listeners can identify where when you start taking care of yourself and then you start kind of deciding, let me try this next thing. Let me just see what happens. And then you see that by doing that thing and, oh, I'm having fun with this. Let me try the next thing. Or, you know what? I'm not feeling this, but let me pivot to this other thing. And what happens is it just starts building and building and building. And so that has been my journey. And I'm just super excited about what else is coming. I love it. And I love, we talk about this so much and people think, I think there's this mistaken belief that when you decide to try something new or go out on your own or create something or build something, that it's this big, massive leap. And it's not for you and for so many women. And for myself, it's about getting curious and getting curious and being like, huh, I wonder if I tried this. Oh, hmm. I wonder what about this? And it's these little steps leaning into curiosity that then give us feedback around like, oh, well, that felt really good. Or, oh, that conversation was really productive. Or I just helped someone doing something I really loved. And so like to your gifts around money, which is not a lot of people's gifts, they'd be like, whoa, that was so fun. Where the rest of us are like, oh my God, budgets, I want to die. And so I think that it's just such a great lesson for all of us around little steps toward curiosity, because that's absolutely how it works. And I also love that you took this piece around like, here's my skills that I've had for a long time in my you know long professional journey. And then also here's what I'm really passionate about. And here's how I want to be like sassy and opinionated. And so I want to dive into that a little bit because I know you make no apologies for your opinions and nor do I. And I know that you describe yourself as a sworn enemy of the patriarchy. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how that shows up in your work with clients and women, especially if, as you've been building something new? Oh, absolutely. So yes, I am a sworn enemy of the patriarchy. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And I believe that a lot of the personal development work that us women are doing is in part due to living in and learning how to navigate and survive the concepts that are internalized and the beliefs of the patriarchy that we internalize to where we as women, we often feel like we need to be fixed, we need to be repaired. And then we start to feel those doubts and insecurities and it starts to show up in our day-to-day lives. And so, you know, at a high level in my work with clients and women in my life and women who listen to my podcast, I talk about what happens with the patriarchy and how does it show up in our lives. And I encourage us to get curious, especially because sometimes some women can hear the word patriarchy and it can create some resistance to that term because there can be a stigma that for women such as myself who talk about the patriarchy, that means we must not like men. That means we must want to bash men and create a matriarchy. And I'll say, Sarah, 
that is just a facet of how the patriarchy stays in power. Because the pure definition, if one were to go to the Google machine and look up the definition of patriarchy, all it says is that it's a construct where men are the predominant holders of power. And so, especially here in America, I would say the world, but I'll focus on America since you know I'm American. We see it in our governments. We see it in organizations and companies and corporations. We see it in places of worship. We see it in medical fields and healthcare. Like this construct where men are the predominant power brokers, it literally impacts every person, women, men, boys and girls alike. So starting with this very basic premise, this fact that men hold the majority of power in major institutions and governments. When I work with my clients, I help women develop you know, their cash flow strategies that allow them to design the life they want. And Sarah, it's based on their own values, not the values and beliefs of the finance industry and gurus and quote unquote experts. I focus my clients to look within and I'm their partner in helping them to uncover for themselves what is of value and importance to them. But when we start to develop these strategies for how they're going to leverage their finances to get them to where they want to be, it's really important that when women work with me, they see they are the authority in their life. They are the authority over their finances. And for some women, this can be a very hard step to take because it's so ingrained to look outside of ourselves for answers and for permission and for instructions on what to do, whether it's about money or anything else. Oh my gosh, I love it. I think that that's very powerful. And I absolutely agree. In fact, I agree with you about the stigma around like, you know, working when people when we start talking about the patriarchy, and I'm willing to bet that there's people that as soon as we said that they were like, and now I'm done with this interview. Right. (laughs) Because there's people who just like don't want to hear it. They're like, Oh, that's where this is going. So for those of you that are still listening, thank you. Because I think that you brought up so many points around how this is such the patriarchy is a very pervasive system and a very oppressive system. And some of us don't recognize kind of to what levels that goes to and in all the systems in which it works. And you brought up some really great ones around healthcare and around different things that we don't think about. I think we often just think of it in terms of government. And it's definitely a lot more than that. So I love that you are helping women in this journey. You're helping women recognize where they've been conditioned in certain areas of their lives and where they can start to change those stories. And especially around money. And there's so much around money. I know we're running short on time and there's so many things that I still want to ask you about. So I want to bring this back to motherhood for you and the work that you're doing with women. And can you talk about kind of to close us out as a woman of color and specifically a black woman and mom, what do you want white women to know and white moms to know about your work and about all kind of to sum up everything that you've been talking about? Okay. So I'm going to answer this from two angles, white moms and just white women. And so as a mom, I want white moms to know that their actions and their beliefs matter because our children, they look up to and learn from moms in such a profound way. Like that is the power of motherhood. And so as a white mom, what message are you sending your kids if all their dolls and action figures are white? If all the books they read have white characters, if all the TV shows and cartoons star white people? when they see who you are friends with and who you hang out with are all white people, if all their friends are white kids. And our children watch us. 
And moms have the power to literally change a generation with intention and action. And so I would say to anyone who may be living in a predominantly white community, there is still so much access to the world through virtual communities. We are a global society and it's easier than we think to expand our exposure. And also know that when black and brown moms are raising their kids, we're raising them to navigate a world that treats them different based on their skin color. And that some of our children don't survive interactions with white people because of it. Those white people that don't see the person, they just see the skin. And it's, Sarah, it's a real fear. It requires a massive amount of trust and faith on the part of black and brown moms to send our kids out into the world. And I want white moms to believe the stories of black and brown moms, to believe our stories, to believe our experiences, because not everything is up for debate, nor up for agreement or validation. And sometimes the most radical thing a white mom can do is listen. And I just wanna share beyond the role as moms, white women, when you are in spaces where it's predominantly white and you see a woman of color, reach out, engage, have a conversation. And depending on how appropriate it is, like don't be weird about it, but depending on how appropriate it is, seek to develop an authentic relationship. And sometimes you're gonna have to reach out more than once, (laughs) like maybe more than twice, but it needs to be genuine. And there is a level of vulnerability happening with both sides, like the white woman reaching out and the woman of color being reached out to. And as a white woman, you may get rejected. And don't let that rejection become bigger than what it is. It's not always personal. Women of color, We are accustomed to assessing very, very quickly, will I be seen in this room or will I be invisible? And women of color, sometimes it can be so draining, Sarah, to exert so much energy trying to be the one to always forge the connections. And sometimes women of color may make a choice to forge ahead or to protect our energy. And so sometimes that protection of energy can appear to be a rejection. And so that's why I say, hey, Don't let that stop you. And these are just a few things that I think anyone can do once they have awareness. It really does just come down to when you have that awareness and then set the intention and then just start taking some steps. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love it. Thank you. That was very powerful and very important. Okay, so we have like one minute. (laughs) And I want you to tell me in what ways you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Okay, the day after Christmas. I have a personal tradition. So we celebrate Christmas in my home. I have a personal tradition where I lay on my couch, I read a book and I drink champagne and I don't do anything. I don't fix meals. I don't play in entertainment. I don't do anything. And my kids know not to bother me because we put a lot of energy into the Christmas season and the magic. And for moms that have younger kids, your time is coming. So start setting that expectation with your partner early that at some future point, you are off duty. And even if you don't celebrate Christmas, like pick a random day of the year, make it your holiday. And Sarah, I do this for all the holidays that fall on a Monday, President's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Like it is my day. I'm unapologetic about using those days to do what I want to do. And it may involve kids or it may not. (laughs) 
I love it. I've seen you post about this day and share this day now for a couple of years in a row and I am full support. <laughs> I love your day after Christmas tradition. Okay, so Naomi, this has been so fun, so informative and just, oh my gosh, so many lessons and nuggets to walk away from or walk away with. Can you let people know where they can find you and connect with you, especially your podcast, the Outspoken Girlfriend podcast? Where can people learn more? And outside of seeing you speak at Shameless MomCon, by the way, because you will be on stage at Shameless MomCon, where else can people find you and connect with you? Yes. So definitely subscribe to The Outspoken Girlfriend. It's on all the major podcast platforms. They can follow me on IG at The Outspoken Girlfriend. We have our free private Facebook community. And for anyone that's interested in learning more about how to work with me with their budgeting and their cash flow strategies, they can go to my website at www.naomiscottclark.com and get more info there. I love it. So we'll have all that linked up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com and click on the episode with Naomi Clark, you'll get all the links. Naomi, thank you. This has been amazing and powerful and fun. And I'm so, so grateful for you that you were able to come on today and share your story and your journey, and especially some of those more intimate parts of your story. Thank you, Sarah. It was a true pleasure to be here with you today. Mamas, if you loved this interview with Naomi and you want some more Naomi in your life, she will be speaking at Shameless MomCon 2020, along with a handful of other amazing, powerful speakers from all over the country. It's going to be transformational, to say the least. And I want you to be there. There's only a few days left to get tickets, and there's only a few tickets left. So if you are at all interested in joining us at Shameless MomCon, please pop on over to shamelessmomcon.com to get all your ticket information, grab your spots before we sell out, before ticket sales close, because I do not want you to miss out on this opportunity to learn from Naomi, to learn from me, to get connected in the Shameless Mom community and make new mama friends. It's going to be fun. It's going to be transformational. And it's going to be a game changer and I don't want you to miss out. So pop on over to shamelessmomcon.com today. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? 
Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.